But it's a strange challenge, the idea of becoming human. Because we say to ourselves, well, I am human. What, you know, how do I become human? But as we spoke about last week, about naming, to name ourselves as human is really, to some extent, to fall into that reality that is produced collaboratively by a community of knowers. You know, because we think we know, we want to impose that reality on ourselves and others. And we have, as a community of knowers, we have an idea about what it is to be human. That, you know, we've worked out over this period of time that we've been alive, and we agree with each other what it is to be human, and therefore we think we are human, and we know what it means to be human, and, and we're that. But if you look at the definition of being human, in the dictionary it says, human being, especially a person as distinguished from an animal. And I think that's interesting because it points us in a particular direction because we're also all animals, aren't we? We're animals and we're humans. So what is it that differentiates us from being human and from being an animal. Well, I was listening to a program on the radio this week about the nature of artificial intelligence. And they were looking at whether artificial intelligence was more powerful than human intelligence. And the conclusion they came to was that artificial intelligence might be huge and include all known facts. But in reality, artificial intelligence was just a giant dictionary. And the thing that gave humans the power over artificial intelligence was context. The ability to look at information with an understanding of a greater context enabled us to make connections and see the relevance of the information that's in front of us. So our understanding of the universe, of history, of philosophy, our ability to conceptualize meaning, our inclusion of divinity, all that gave us a way of using and making sense of information that would be impossible to artificial intelligence. So to some extent, what makes us human is our ability to self-reflect and to consider what we know in the context of what's going on. And that differentiates us from some animals. It also gives us an opportunity to reflect on our own existence. And that in turn, in reflecting our existence, leads to spirituality and religion. We recognize our place in the world. We experience our reality. We read of the experiences that others have had. And we see that there's quite possibly a realm of existence that's beyond that which we can see and hear and touch. And science tells us it's there. And we name some of it in terms of spirituality and religion, we name that other as being either God or the divine. And then being good human beings, we try to attain that. We try to make the leap from being human to being spiritual, seeing that that divine, that reality exists. And here we are in the Aspen Chapel doing just that, being spiritual in church. But I think the very line of logic 
that I've just outlined identifies the problem with religion today. Now, we're all running around in our own religions trying to be spiritual. Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Christians, Jains, Sikhs, Baha'is, all of us trying to be spiritual in our own ways. But I want to suggest that we've got things completely back to front, that our challenge is not as human beings trying to be spiritual, but just the opposite, that in fact we are spiritual beings and our challenge is to become human. I want to suggest that our spirituality is a given, that we are all part of that evolution of consciousness that seemed to begin with the Big Bang 13 billion years ago. And that spirituality, that evolution of consciousness has taken us through all the stages that's brought us up to now. You know, we we move from being atoms, single-cell organisms, into microbes, into plants, into creatures, into reptiles, into animals. And now our challenge as consciousness as, is to express ourselves as humanity, as human, as being different from all those that have gone before us, but including all those that have gone before us. We have emerged from all the stuff of life, and part of that is still within us. The idea is that our consciousness has developed from reptiles to animals to being human and all that went before it. And as we went through that in the evolution, our brains developed and our consciousness encouraged our brains to develop. But as we all know, it's still possible for us to act like reptiles, like animals, you know, our fight and flight reactions our aggression, our possessiveness, our territorial nature are all part, I would suggest, of those previous expressions. We even use names to suggest it. He's such an animal. He's such a snake. What a reptile. You know, we're aware of that. And it's almost as if we fall back into previous behaviors in our inability to express ourselves. Even in our religion, you know, having got things the wrong way around, in our desire to transcend humanity and become spiritual and to force others to do the same, we resort to the most animalistic and reptilian behavior, killing and maiming in the name of religion. In fact, some would say that this is beyond animal behavior, that you don't see animals doing any of this sort of thing. It's an aberration, a misstep by the brain in its confusion about its state of existence and its place in the world. Which I think is where Jesus comes in. It's always good to bring Jesus into these things. And to some extent, a lot of the Old Testament is, I think, a part of that aberration. They're always sacking whole territories and putting men and women and children and animals to the sword. And then Jesus came along, and his message was that we have two natures. When you see Jesus doing that, he's not saying a Woodstock peace sign. In in those icons, he's saying, I have two natures. I am both divine and I am both human. And that he's saying that to fully express our humanity, to fully express it, we have to recognize that we have two natures, that we have the divine and we have the human nature. And our challenge in becoming human 
was to have the divine expressed as human, which is what Jesus was, the divine expressed as human. Not that we're all human beings trying to be spiritual, but that we're spiritual beings trying to be human. And I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier when I think about trying to be human than when I think about trying to be divine. That's a lot more difficult. How how do I try to be divine? But I, I sort of know what it is to be human. And Jesus' commandments, whether we should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. First the divine and then the human. And he lived his life like that. You know, the humanity of his miracles. You know, his first miracle, creating water into wine. And then feeding the 5,000, healing, looking after children, eating with prostitutes and sinners. I mean, there was a huge humanity that came out. And it was his ministry, a human ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight of the blind and set the oppressed free. He did not say he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of the sight for the blind and set the oppressed free so that the spirit of the Lord will be upon me. He didn't do good deeds so that he would be spiritual. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and that prompted his humanity. The spirit is given. It informs what it is to be human. So in my thinking, that is what Jesus came to show us, how to be, he came to show us how to be truly human. And the way that we differentiate ourselves from animals and reptiles is to realize the context that we live in, that we are fundamentally spiritual beings. And that through our self-reflection, we can realize that we're spiritual beings and express our humanity accordingly. He showed us that to be fully human, we have to express ourselves as love. We have to give up. We have to give our animal natures up to the primary spirit that's always been within us, the spirit that hovered over the waters, the I am of Moses, God, the I am of the New Testament, the idea that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. So to become fully human, we have to acknowledge the Christ already within us. Which is sort of the other way around to most religion, where you know they say Jesus is up there, we must worship him and be good human beings. No, we must acknowledge the Christ that is within us, not to try to be good, not to try to be pure, not to try to become because we already are. We just... We forget that. We forget that the Christ is within us. And the problem all comes down to the fact that we think that we know better. We think that we know what's going on. That's where all the problems come from. So we want to order and control life so that we can make it better. We want to order and control life so that life can be better. And that's our basic mistake. That is the real original sin. We don't know what's going on. That's the problem. We think we do. We don't, we don't even know what's really out there. I mean, you're looking at me, thinking that you know what's out here. We think we know it because we see it, we feel it, we smell it, and we touch it. But the fact is, all of this stuff that's going on in your mind at the moment is really 
electrical signals interpreted by your brain. You don't really know what's going on. There are electrical signals that are coming. And reality is what we just acknowledge as being reality as a community of knowers, getting together and saying, this is what's really going on. We sense, we see, we feel, and we agree as to what is going on. Blue is blue because we agree about it. But it's really just electrical impulses in the brain between us and reality. Between us and reality, there's an image that's in our brains as to what's happening out here. And the electrical signals that create the impulse in the brain send that image to your brain. And they come, those electrical signals, supposedly from outside. And the blueness that we see is transported into our brains and therefore we acknowledge it as being brief, but it's all electrics. Even the construct of us and outside is electrics. It's the way that our brain interprets the signals that are there. What is us and what is outside, we don't really know. So why do we pretend to know? So that we can feel in control, which is no more real than anything else, because again, that's electrical signals. It's interesting, you know, we look at the concept of the nature of all connectedness, and if you want something that is about all connectedness, it's the electrics that produces reality. The electrics of out here, the electrics that goes into your eyes that produces an image in your brain. My son Sam was very keen on virtual reality, where you put these headsets, and really, this is just big virtual reality. This is real virtual reality. And it is virtual because you're not actually in touch with it. What you're in touch with is the electrics. We don't really know. In fact, fundamentally, we're delusional about what's going on. We have an illusion in our minds and the whole thing is delusional. It's just that we have a reality that suggests that some of us are supposedly more successful in our delusional reality than others. But in fact, that's a delusion as well. All of it is a delusion that helps us get on with our lives. And that's what Jesus got. He got that nature of the delusionality of it, that you can just about see and not see. You think you're in control, but you're not. Jesus said, what, why do you call me good? He said to the rich man, no one is good but God alone. We cannot try to be good We can only realize the good that is within us and express our humanity accordingly. My Strecott said, you know, even someone who's trying to be good, trying to reach for the divine, hasn't really got it because the mind, the ego is involved. There is a delusionality involved. So Jesus didn't come to be deified and worshipped. He came to show us what it is to be fully human. He came to show us how to live. He shows us In his not knowing, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He didn't know what was going to happen. He came to show us that we were all sons and daughters of God, that we could do, as he said, greater things even than he. That we are all of the Christ and that being the Christ was what it meant to be fully human. That being fully human was to express the divine that was already within us. And in doing so, we become a part of that consciousness evolving itself in self-realized divinity. We become part of that self-realization process. 
the perfect day, the second coming, which is here but not here, which is within us. It is within us for us to realize, but you can't think about it. You just have to allow it to come. And we don't have to understand what's going on. And most of you are thinking, what is he talking about? You don't have to understand it. We don't have to try and control it. We don't have to impose our ideas on others because we really don't know. We just think we know. Our purpose in life in becoming human is to express love. Not our love, but the love of the divine coming through us. To love Lord Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbor as as yourself. And when we experience metanoia, when we are born again from above, when we are changed and transformed, it is then that we become fully human. When we operate not from our own ego mind, but the greater self, then we become fully human. And that is the message that Jesus is bringing us. He is showing us our potential. Last paragraph. So don't panic if you think I'm going to go on and on. And of course, in being that love, he's showing us how to be love. We are also, in being that love, we also have to experience the pain of the world as well. And transform that. To be fully human is not to increase our separation from others by blaming them for our condition. It's not to increase our separation by blaming others for our condition, but to take responsibility for the pain of the world by owning it and by transforming it within ourselves. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To become human is to own our place in the world and in the evolution of consciousness, to know that we are here to serve that evolution by transforming our own consciousness and so bringing about the transformation of the consciousness of others. We are part of that process. We are part of it and we link into that process by letting go of our attachments to all the things that we're attached to and allowing something to come through us that moves us, that changes us, that transforms us, that will be expressed through us. And even if we don't let it happen, it will be happening. It will happen. It is the process of evolution. And we are a part of that. And to become human is to recognize that. I'm going to finish with a lovely poem by Rumi called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are crowds of sorrows, who violently sweep your house empty of all its furniture. Still treat each guest honourably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at your door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from the beyond.